So today we're talking about God's timing, love, love's timing. Uh, this is the last of the series of love stories. I, you know, this whole year is going to be about everybody has a story. Everyone has a story. You have a story. The messages are not meant for your neighbor. They're meant for each and every one. These messages are meant for me just as much as they are for you. A lot of people will come up to me after church. Well, man, you must be reading my mail. No, God's reading your mail. Okay? And then he gives me a message. But the message is never not just for a few people. It's for all of us. Uh, if you ever come to the place, well, I've heard that before, and you, don't, you tune the Word of God out, listen, you're missing a blessing. You're missing a, growth, a, a time of growth because the Bible, the Word of God is alive. It's, it's living, and it can mean so many different things at so many different times in your life. Uh, what one verse meant 10 years ago might not mean the same to you today because you're going through something else. So today we're going to be talking about love's timing. Time is a word that we use all the time, isn't it? Out of time, time's up, time out, time to go, time to start. In the nick of time, it's about time, just one more time. Bedtime, bath time, better luck next time. There's a lot of way, you could, we could go for an hour and talk about how many times we, how many times we use the word time. We have, we're, we're consumed by time in America. Everything's on a calendar. How many of you have a Google calendar? If you didn't have the Google calendar, you would miss most of your appointments. You know, you have reminders. We have Google calendars. We have smart watches. We have smartphones that have smart clocks on them. We, you can tell the time right now what the time is in Israel and any other place in the world. You just go to your world clock and type in the name of a city. You can find the, the, the temperature. You can find whatever you need to. It's on your phone right now. because And we, we're, we're consumed with time. But time just kind of rules our lives at times. But it shouldn't. And I guess the subject got in my head when we started preparing for daylight savings time. How many of you made it here at 11 today? You, you're the, okay, we have a few people that, that came in on the other time. Uh, but I'm glad you're here. Uh, so we talked about, I, was, I had this in my mind about daylight savings time. I thought, well, how do, how, do I, how, do, how do you want me to speak this? And God said, you know, timing is everything. With God, timing is everything, really. Uh, and how many of you know that God has perfect timing? So this morning, I want you to think about timing in your life. Uh, here's what timing is defined as. It's a particular point in time when something happens. That's it. A particular point in time when something happens. So I want you to think about, have you ever recounted some time in your life where if things just didn't happen to line up a certain way, you wouldn't have happened to completed a certain thing or married a certain person or gone to a certain school or missed that, that wreck that might have happened if you had not been in God's perfect time. Have you ever thought about that? And we call it sometimes, we just call it fate, but a lot of times it's just timing. And if you're on God's timing, God's got this timetable for you set. It even says he has an appointed time for us to die, right? So I want us to look at what it means to be in God's timing because uh, Remember when Jeannie came up, we had Jeannie Acosta's testimony. She jumped off the bridge and Wes and, and his friend Billy were driving across the bridge. The only people going across the bridge that day. And Wes went back and he counted 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. And he said, Dad, if three seconds had passed one way or the other, I would not have seen her jump. 
And if he had not seen her jump, she probably would have bled out because she didn't land in the river. She landed on rocks below and she began to bleed profusely. And he saw her. God gave uh, that timing that God's timing was, Wes, he, he didn't know he was in God's timing. See, we don't, you don't know you're in God's timing. But if you're looking, if, you're, if your eyes are open, your spiritual ears are open, you'll find out that you're more in time with God than you think you are. And he has these appointed times for you. And listen, when you miss the appointments with God, that's called a disappointment. But God has a di a, an appointment for you today. You're here because of an appointment. You're not here by accident. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe in accidents. I believe that God has things timed out, and he wants us to sync our life with his timing. Amen? Amen. So I want you to remember. Remember the time that somebody spoke to you about Jesus, and you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Remember the timing of that, 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 that point in, in time when somebody came and they said, do you need healing? Do you need prayer? And somebody at a certain time came into your life and laid their hands on you and prayed for you. All these, time thi all these things are timings that God has ordained and he wants us to get involved in his time schedule, church. A few, several years ago, we were uh, a part of the, we had the Master's Commission. It was a group from Brazil that came to San Angelo, and we became, we just fell in love with these guys. There's a bunch of them, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that traveled over, and they did missions work, and then they were in, in Brazil. And we had that group here uh, one, one week, and so we had a get-together at Zentner's Daughter's Steakhouse. I know it's not there anymore, but Zentner's Daughter, and they had that big room, and we were all gathered together in that room. How many of y'all remember Zentner's Daughter? Yeah, and you wish it was still here, right? Yeah. And we were having a meal, and, and I, my phone rang. It was on, it was on uh, buzz, buzzer or whatever. What do you call it? Vibrate. Okay, well, it was buzzing. And uh, so I, it was buzzing, and I looked down, pulled my phone out. And you know how you do it at the dinner when you're not supposed to have your phone. I'm looking down there, and I see the guy's name because I've got caller ID on it. And Mary Lou looks over there, she sees it, and I said, well, I'll just call him after we get through. And, and my wife, always being in tune with the Holy Spirit, she said, I think you need to go call him right now. And I, being very obedient to the Holy Spirit and to my wife, <laughs> sink. I said, okay, you know, I'm, butter my, I'm sure I'm buttering my baked potato, and I'm like, okay, I'll go. So I walk out, and I walk out into the foyer, and I call the number back. And on the other end of the phone, this guy answers, and he says, hello? I said, well, this is Pastor Harold. What do you need? And he said, why are you calling me? I said, well, you call me first. <laughs> he said, no, I didn't. I said, well, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sitting here at dinner, and, and your, name, your, your phone number comes up, and you've called me, and I'm just calling you. I said, what's going on? And he got really quiet. He got really quiet. I want you to think about God's timing. He said, well, Pastor, um, I was sitting here with a gun, and I had it put to my mouth, and I was about to end my life. When you called, he's still alive today. I am telling you, church, those are God moments. Those, that's God's timing. God said, I got to get somebody to call him. Maybe, his, maybe Harold's wife will make him. <laughs> so I, believe in, I believe God's supernatural. I believe God called me. You may think that's silly, but I believe that God called me. God 
God's in control of that. He can do whatever he wants to when he wants to do it. And I'm thankful for a wife that says, be obedient, go call him. Because if I would have waited, who knows what might have happened. God's timing. So let's look at this. Galatians 4, Paul says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. So here's God's timing. This is the fullness of time. It's time for my son to be born. It's time for Jesus to come to earth. That was God's timing. Do you all believe that? You know, some people, I'm not sure about that, but it was 2,000 years ago. It wasn't on December 25th. We know that. God had that specific time picked out that his son would be born. So in the fullness of time, he, God sent him to his chosen people and to the world at the same time. Amen? Amen. So God's schedule is maybe different than, it was different than the Jewish, the Jew, the Jewish people's schedule because they weren't expecting him to come then. Well, some of them were. They, you know, there were a few that were expecting him to come, but most of them didn't expect him to come. And not only did they not expect him to come at that time, they didn't expect him to come in the way that he came, right? Even the Apostle Paul who wrote Galatians 4, 4 through 5 said, uh, speaking about himself, he says, I'm one of the disciples, but I was born out of due time. He says that in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 8, he says, I was, I, I was one born out of due time. He said, you know, I'll kind of miss my schedule. But see, God didn't miss it with Paul either. He didn't miss it with you. Say, so he didn't miss it with me. Remember the story of Esther. When Esther was called by to save her people, and Mordecai, he comes to, he comes to his cousin, and he says, Esther, this is what you've got to do. It's in 414. He says, For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. He said, God can do this. See, if, if we miss his timing, God can do it another way. Okay? God's not relegated to just using you. He can use anybody. It says, if he's, he's, Mordecai says, but if you remain silent, God will do this from a, di- a different way. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. How many of you have seen Jesus' Revolu- Revolution? How many of you have seen the movie? If you haven't seen it, you need to go see it before it leaves. Okay? Don't wait for it to come to DVD. Uh, DVD. Ah, showing my age. The hippies of that day. How many of you were hippies in the day? Stand up, all you hippies that are 70 years or so. Come on, all the hippies, stand up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bill, did you have long hair, Bill? That's all I want to know, brother. Long, okay. Yeah. I have a hard time picturing people like Bill with like shoulder-length hair, like, you know. Was, Jesus is just all right with me. Right? Those hippies in California were born for such a time as that. They were. They revolutionized church. I went back and listened to Love Song. I had the album at one time. I don't know what happened to it. Love Song. And they, they wrote a song called Little Country Church. Y'all go back and listen to it. I had no idea what the lyrics meant back then because I wasn't a part of that movement in California. I just wasn't, but he talked about, we, we're not talking about religion no more. We just come to praise the Lord. See, there was, a, there was a lot of religion in California, a lot of religion in the church. There's still a lot of religion in our churches today. There's still a lot of, a lot of religion, but we just come to praise the Lord, he says. We got to get rid of religion and get a relationship with Jesus Christ. They were born for such a time as that. 
But I want to tell you this morning, you are born for such a time as this generation needs you now. I don't care what age you are, you are still called for such a time as this. You know why you're called for this time? Because you're living in this time. Oh, I wish I was born back in the 40s so I could have experienced the 50s like a teenager. Man, that was the coolest time of, to live, you know, and everybody was cool in the 50s. There was not all this harshness and all the stuff that we got going on. Listen, God said I want, he delegated the day for you to be born just like he did his son. And you're born for such a time as this. Say, I'm born for this. I'm born for this. So don't try to figure out how, why God didn't make you who you, uh, born someplace else, different color, different national, in a different time period. He made you who you are uniquely. You are uniquely you for right now. Because only you can reach certain people that other people won't reach. And we are called for such a time as this. Say, I'm called, I'm called. for such a time as this. Now, John 1, 29, we're going to just gonna quickly go through uh, Jesus' calling and apply it to our own calling. John 1, 29, uh, Jesus was about, he was about 30 years old, the Bible said. It didn't say he was 30, it says he was about 30 years of age. And his cousin John was out in the wilderness. They called him Crazy John, and he was out baptizing people, telling people to repent of their sins. And Jesus walked by one day, and then the next day he walked by. The John says in verse 29 of John 1, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isn't that funny that, that, that John, who was the forerunner for Jesus, was the one that called him out? He called him out. He said, Hey, 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 he, that's him. That's him. That, that's, that's the Messiah. He is the one that's, he's the Lamb. He's the perfect Lamb that's going to take away the sins of the world. See, God's called you out. The first thing you got to know is he's called you. He has called you. How many of you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior in this room? Come on, stand up if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Stand up. You are the called. You are the chosen. You may be seated. You may be seated. We always want to look at that other person. I mean, God really has called. got a calling on their life. No, he's got a calling on your life. Quit looking around and trying to figure out what somebody else's calling is when you've been called. You've been chosen. He's called you from darkness to light. There's a calling on your life. There was, there was, there was that time. Go back if you have to. Go back in your, in your brain and, and God remind me of that day I was called. Remind me of that day that I said yes. Remind me of that day that I went into the water. Remind me of that day that I said yes to Jesus and no to the world. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of that to ourselves. Amen? Amen. In Luke 5, 3, 21, it says, When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. There was a confirmation after the baptism of Jesus Christ. There was a confirmation from his Father in heaven. When Linda got baptized this morning, there's a confirmation from heaven that says, Linda, you are my daughter, and you I am well pleased. You, listen, God looks at you this morning and says, I don't care what you live like, how you look and all that. He says, I, you are my son, you are my daughter, and, you, and, and I am well pleased with you. It's not, he's not well pleased with us because we act good, because most of us don't act good all the time. He's well pleased because you're his kid. How many of you got grandkids, man? You're just well pleased. They're not the best kids probably in the world. Well, they are to you, Grandpa, Grandma. 
But other people, they're, man, those kids are spoiled. They're, br- they're brats, they're this. Anyway, don't you? Uh-uh, that's my child. That's my grandson. You know, so I'm not talking about my kids. I was talking about grandkids, you know. <laughs> they're perfect. Confirmation. Man, we need to confirm one another in the Lord. You're, a, you're my brother, Armando. Man, I don't care where you've been, what you've done, how you look. I don't care how tall you are, short you are, fat you are, or skinny you are, how buff you are, or how weak you are. I don't, it don't matter. I, you're my brother. And I confirm you in Jesus Christ. You're the call to the Lord, brother. But every one of you are in this room. So we just got to get that in our spirit this morning that we are called. We've been confirmed not by me or not by somebody. We've been confirmed by the King of kings and Lord of lords. You got to know who you are in Christ. You got to know your identity before you can move on and be a servant of God. You know, when, when Jesus came out of the water, his father, what did his father say? This is my son. That's my son. That's my son. And they all heard it, man. They heard the voice from heaven. That's my son. That's my son. Then verse 12 says in Luke 4, And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Then I'm going to tell you the next thing that happens when Jesus got out of the water. The Holy Spirit was filled him up, and the Holy Spirit said, Let's go to the wilderness. I want you to fast for 40 days. And the next thing he does is confront Satan. The next thing he does is confront Satan after a 40-day fast. So the thing is the thing, after we're confirmed, guess what? There's going to be a confrontation in your life. Say, there's going to be a confrontation. <laughs> Listen, if you've never had a confrontation with the devil, you probably aren't, don't belong to Jesus. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to be blunt with you this morning. If, that, there's an old saying, if you haven't met the devil lately, head on, you're probably going the same direction he's going. Because there's going to be a confrontation. It says he's coming after us. It says he's seeking out who can kill, steal, and destroy. It says he, he's prowling about like a roaring lion. He's looking for you. He wants to come against everything that God, anything that God wants to do. He wants to come against it. And if you're doing what God wants you to do, he's going to come against it. There's going to be confrontation. But then in the next verse, it said after Jesus rebuked him, because, listen, a lot of people say, well, Jesus is the opposite of Satan. No, he's not. No, uh-uh. no way, no how. If you want to compare some angel to Satan, you might compare Michael, but you don't compare Jesus. Jesus was not an angel. He's the son of God. He is God. So, I mean, the devil had nothing on him. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous to think that the devil thought he could do anything and tempt him to get him away from his calling. And it says he rebuked him, you know, three times he rebuked him. It says verse, but look at verse 13. I think it's an interesting verse. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Say opportune time. See, the devil will confront you and you'll be victorious. And then he may, he may, you know what? I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to think on this person. I'm going to have to do something else. I'm going to have to get him a different way. Y'all, you know what I'm talking about? He can't get you one way, but he'll go through the back door to try to get you another way. And see, he was going to wait for an opportune time. Now, I think that's interesting because I'm looking at Scripture. All right, when was the next opportune time? When was the next opportune time that he was going to be confronted by Satan? Matthew 16, 13, who do men say that I am, the Son of Man? Who, who, do the, who men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He's asking his disciples that. And they said to respond in verse 14. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, some... Others that Jeremiah, one of the prophets, and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Just go back, this goes back to identity. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Y'all remember what Jesus responded? Man, you're right. Simon, you got it right. It wasn't, but it wasn't your flesh that revealed that to you. It was the Holy Spirit that revealed that to you. 
Okay, so here we, we have this dialogue going, and, and Peter, Simon Peter saying this is who you are because the Holy Spirit filled old Peter up to, to say what he was saying, what going to say. But then not very much longer after that, Jesus said in the same book, in the same chapter, Jesus said, well, I'm, guess what, guys? I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be crucified, but I'm going to come back to life. And Peter like, oh, no, 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 no. Ain't going to happen to you. Not on my watch. Right? Y'all remember that? And then he says, look, remember, Satan's waiting for an opportune time. Okay? But he turned and he said to Peter, this was Jesus, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. I, want, I would just want, I'm, the reason I'm focusing on this just a little bit this morning is because he will use whoever and whatever means he can to get you off track. He will even use Christians. He will use your mate. He will use your children. He will use somebody in the church. He will use a preacher. You, whoever he can get to offend you, he will try to get to offend you. So you will lose Hope. You will lose faith. You will get off track in your walk. People leave the church because they're offended. They're offended by somebody not looking at them right or looking at them wrong or, or not saying the right things to them or whatever. There's a lot of reasons people get offended and they leave church. I, you know, I, one time I asked, a, I asked a congregation, how many of you have been hurt by the church? How many, let me ask you, how many of you have been hurt by the church? Most people. I mean, I got both hands up. <laughs> and my feet. <laughs> There was a funny thing, one of those slippages I did one time. Uh, I don't do those very often, but I did a slippage. I meant to say that how many of you have been, uh, how many of you believe that demon, uh, Christians can be demonized? And how many believe that Christians can be demonized? And it came out, how many of you have been demonized by Christians? <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's hands went up. Oop. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just telling you that because confrontation comes, and you've got to be ready for it, church. You've got to be ready not to rebuke, but to love. You've got to be ready to forgive, not to hold a grudge. You've got to be ready to say, you know what? I know they didn't mean that the way they said it. I know that they didn't. I, you've got to be ready to take the high road. You know what it means to take the high road? You can take the low road and you can get down in the, in the dirt and fight and, and argue and, and debate and all that. Or you can take the high road and say, man, Jesus loves you. I love you. If I've done anything to, forgive, for, to offend you, please forgive me because I want to walk in love, man. I don't want to walk in, I don't want to walk in division. See, that's how the enemy confronts, and when he confronts and we fail at the confrontation, that's when churches split. That's when people leave. That's when people fail. That's when people fall. So let's be aware of confrontation. Amen? Amen. Psalm 31, 15 says, Many times are, uh, my times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Just pray. Be on, be on alert for those things. Now let's get back to Luke 4, 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and the news of him went through all the region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, whoo, he found the place where it was written. I love this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. To the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. 
Then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down in the eyes of all who were on him in the synagogue that were fixed on him. Can you imagine? He read that and he began to say to them, Today, God's timing, today this scripture is fulfilled within your hearing. He said, It's time. The father actually said, It's time, Brandy. And you know, Jesus only did what he saw the father do. He was, only, he was just obedient to the Father. So I know the Father, previous to that, has said, okay, Jesus, go read that, and then I want you to proclaim to the people, today, 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 today is fulfilled. Prophecy is fulfilled today. That was his commission. That was his commission. Some of you are waiting to be commissioned. Some of, guys, some of you have already been commissioned, and you're still waiting to be commissioned. You've been called, you've been equipped, you've been chosen, you've had confrontation, and God says, now it's time for you to go. Now it's time for you to do. Now it's time for you to be disciples. Now it's the time for you to get equipped to go and do what I've called you to do. I was talking to a young man earlier before the service. We all have a ministry. A lot of people, well, what's my ministry? Well, the Bible says we're all being called to be ministers of reconciliation. So you got a ministry. Well, I don't want a ministry. Well, just take that one first. Pick, if you want to, just pick that one first because it's in there. And he says, for everybody, it's a ministry of reconciliation, bringing people back together, bringing people to God. Man, if there's not any more important ministry that I can even think of that you bringing somebody to Jesus and changing their life forever. Isn't that a great ministry? Yeah. And yet we don't, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what my calling. I don't know what my commission is. I don't know what God's wanting me to do. Well, do that first. And then let the chips fall where they may, so to speak. Because once you start that, God's going to show, okay, they're obedient there. I can trust them here. He's got to trust you someplace and so you can start growing in your faith. So Jesus was commissioned that day. And then it goes on to verse 22. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? See, people are going to say that about you. Do you all know that? Well, think about that. He said to them, you will surely say to this proverb to me, physician, heal thyself, yourself. Whatever we have done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. And Jesus said, surely I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. I've been accepted in San Angelo. I'm not a prophet, so that's why it works, okay? <laughs> pastor, you didn't say pastors and prophets, okay? But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months. And there was a great famine throughout, the, throughout all the land. But none of them was, uh, was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Remember the story? Won't go into it. And then many leopards were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. And none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So look at verse 28. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, they were filled with wrath. Hmm. And they rose up and thrust him, Jesus, out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. And then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. The next thing I want you to see, not only will there be confrontation, even after your commission, there will be criticism. You can just bet on it. Some people, they can't take criticism. Even if it's constructive, they just can't take it. But I'm going to tell you, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're going to take your stand, if you're going to take up your cross and follow him, if you're going to abandon everything else and say, Jesus, it's you and me. If you do that, you're going to be criticized. And I'm telling you, most of it will start right in your own family. Yeah. Can I get a witness? Yeah. 
<laughs> That's sad, isn't it? And some of us were the critics of people that came before us. Man, did you know Aunt Jane is a holy roller? Man, she is nuts for Jesus, and she's just nuts. <laughs> you know? And we made fun of people that love Jesus kind of too much for our, our own, you know, our own good. You know, I mean, they're just a little bit too much for me. They're a little too strong. Like Betty said, she's a strong cup of coffee. That's what Betty says. Get ready for criticism. You know, in the ministry, I've been told you need to wear it like a, a raincoat. And what's it made of? Lead or something? Whatever hits you, it just rolls right off like a duck. Yeah, like a, we need duck wings. That's what we need. Because criticism comes from to ministers, to pastors. To, criticism comes to pastors' wives and pastors' kids. Why do you think pastors' kids have such a horrible reputation? They're expected to live up to everybody else's expectations, but y'all don't expect your kids to live up to them, but you sure want your pastor's kids to live up to them, right? Got quiet in here. Yeah. Criticism comes. I mean, think about it. Jesus is the perfect son of God. Perfect. And they said, let's get rid of him. He's a little too much for us. I think he said some things that I don't like. He's not like the rabbis that I've always been under. You know? And said, so let's get rid of him. Stole him off the cliff. I'm glad Jesus just said, excuse me, guys. <laughs> you know, he could have just gone thump and they could all fall down. Yeah, he he could have. Like bowling pins. He could have just said, okay, see you guys. But he didn't. He just kind of eased his way out. You know, some people don't, they just don't like God's timing in their life either. Well, God, I know this is what you want me to do now, but I'm going to wait because it's not my time. And God says, no, I just said it's your time. It's time for you to, you're, you've been commissioned. I, I'm ready for you to do what I've called you to do. But God, but God, but God, but God. We use but God in bad ways and good ways. But God, I'm not ready. They reject God's perfect timing. The Jews reject God's perfect timing. The mass, the, the, the majority of Jews rejected his timing. Y'all understand that? They said, no, that's not him. It couldn't be him. No, no. And they still miss him. They still have missed him today. I pray that you have not missed him. Verse 31. Then he went down to Capernaum in the city of Galilee and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon and he cried out with a loud voice saying, Let us alone. What are we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, Be quiet and come out of him. It'd be fun if we could just do it that way. It'd be that easy. Shut up. Get out. <laughs> Done. And when the demon had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and did not hurt him. They were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is, for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out, and the report about him went out to every place in the surrounding region. The next thing I want you to see that we have to take 
authority in our lives, that the, the authority that Christ has given us, we have to learn how to command. Say command. command. Say command. command. Say it in your commander's voice. Command. Command. <laughs> Jesus rebuked him, said, get out of him. Be quiet. Shut up. Get out. Sometimes we just allow things to stay that we should command to get out. And we're just, oh, well, it just doesn't work. I don't think it works that way. And the Bible says, well, this is what I'm called you to do. Cast out demons. That's one of our callings. It's one of our commissionings. There's going to be times in your life when you're going to have to take up your God-given authority and command some things to take place. You understand that? There are going to be times in your life where you have to stand on the authority Christ has given you. Does Christ live in you or not? Yes. Same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, does he live in you or not? Yes. He lives in you, right? Yes. So do we have that authority that he's given us? Yes. Now when we say all authority, that doesn't mean you can go command this and that and this and that. And if it's not, it's not been lined up with the word of God or it's not in God's will, you can command things all day, all day long if you want to and they won't happen. It's got to be things that line up with the word of God. That's why you got to hear God speak to you when you do what you're doing. You got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Verse 38, now he arose from the synagogue and he entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever and they made a request of him concerning her. That was Jesus. So he stood over and rebuked the fever and it left her and immediately she arose and served them. The, the, the next thing is, the next to the last thing is the compassion. If you're going to operate in the timing of God, there's going to be times when he's going to say, this is a time that you need to have compassion on somebody and you need to operate in compassion. Times of compassion will move you to action. Matthew 14, 14, when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. And when he was moved with the compassion, that's when he fed the 5,000 or the 15,000 or so. He was, always, he was moved with compassion. Listen, when you, when you have that unction in your heart and the, you see somebody in need and the Holy Spirit said, the time is now for you to act and you, you're lining up yourself with God's timing and the compassion comes, that's when you need to do something. How many of you have missed opportunities to do that? Raise your hands. Man, you knew after you left the scene, after you left the circumstance, oh, I wish I would have done what I was supposed to do, and you go back and they're not there, or, or the situation's changed, and we miss these opportunities, those appointments, those God-divine timing appointments. And guess what? God use, Usually he'll give you another opportunity, but I want to tell you something. Not always. Y'all understand that? Sometimes we miss them, and we don't get another opportunity. Y'all have heard me tell the story of my brother-in-law. I love, he loved Jesus. He was one of the most godly men I've ever known. When he was a teenager, his, one of his teenager buddies said, Paul, tell me about this Jesus. And he, was, he said, I was just kind of embarrassed, and I wouldn't tell him. I didn't give him the plan of salvation. I could have led him to the Lord right then. The next day, he was in a car wreck, and he was killed. He didn't have another opportunity. There's timing, guys. We've got to get lined up with the timing of God. We've got to line ourselves up with his timing, not our own. So you see, when Jesus enters into the synagogue, things happen. We entered in to that place where that demon was present, something happened. When he entered into Simon Peter's house, something happened. When his, when his presence goes and his presence is in you, the atmosphere changes. Things change when we move into a situation, a circumstance that looks like it's hopeless because we bring hope. We bring healing. We bring comfort. We bring salvation because we bring Jesus. We bring his presence wherever we go. 
We have to remember that. That's why you can, that's why you can meet those divine appointments with confidence and with faith because you know God's already set it up for you. Did you know that? Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, I wonder if I'm going to ever have an opportunity. God's already prepared them for you. You know, telling how many we've missed in our lifetimes. How many times of opportunity we missed that God said, okay, Harold, I've got that ready. It's ready for you. It's just right there. And if you'll just walk in that door, take it right there. They're waiting for you. And I walk and I turn the left. Or I'll walk in and I don't see the need. I don't see the purpose. And I miss these opportunities. And we miss those times that God has prepared. He says, I prepared good works for you. You don't have to go look for them. You don't have to go out and start searching for them. God's prepared them for you beforehand. And finally, the last thing which you see is the completion of it all. Jesus said on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. Now, he was speaking prophetically. You all understand that? It, that part of it was finished, but not, not all of it, because he had yet to be resurrected and ascended and all those things. But he said, it is finished. I, I, I've accomplished. God's called you. He's chosen you. He's equipping you. The confrontation comes. The criticism comes. But you rise above all those things, and you complete what God's called you to do. Philippians 1.6, one of my favorite verses says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. If he, start, if he called you, I promise you he's going he's to keep with you. He's going to stay with you until you complete your journey. Y'all believe that? You know why? Because he wants to complete the journey in you. And sometimes if we'll just get out of the way and let him do what he does best, and we'll just be willing vessels... Man, the, the, it'll go so much easier. If we'll just get in tune with the Holy Spirit, listen to His voice. Stand to your feet, please.